Chapter 19 of the Knights of the Square Table. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Tia Wright. The Knights of the Square Table by Secretary Hawkins. The Man in the Lonely House. After we discovered that Pooley and his gang had their headquarters in the basement of the old lonely house, every boy in our club wanted to go down there after school every day. Of course, I told our captain, Dick Ferris, to make a rule right away that no boy was to be allowed to go down there unless we all went together. But after the meeting, when all the other boys were outside practicing football for the Thanksgiving Day game, the skinny guy came in to my writing room. Sec, he said, I think you'd better excuse me from that rule. I have just got to go down to Lonely House and peep around. I laughed, but I shook my head. Not much, I said. Rules is rules, and you got to live up to them, Link. Chase yourself out of here and forget about it. I turned myself back to my writing, but not hearing Link make any move to leave, I looked up and saw him grinning at me. You'd better change your mind, Hawkins, he said in a low voice. His face lost its grin now. I saw Rube Miller today. Ah, I broke in. So you were down at Lonely House after all. Breaking the rules ain't like you, Link. I always thought, wait a minute, he cried. Dern if you ain't the worst fella to pop off I ever seen. Listen, this was before the rules was made about that Lonely House. This was before meeting time. I paddled down in your canoe. You're welcome to it, I said, any time so long as you keep the rules, Link. All right, thanks. But I went down to do my duty. Didn't you make me the spy of our club? And don't I have to poke my nose in those places if I want to be a good spy? All right. Say it's all right, then. I knew you would, when you understood everything. You just go popping off and forget things. Every time I do... Forgive me, Link, I said. I do blow up in the air sometimes, I'll admit. Tell me, what did Rube Muller tell you? Link forgot all about the unjust scolding I had given him. He told me that he'd been watching, he said, every night he saw a light in the basement of the old lonely house, and one night he got Joel. Who's Joel? Joel's Rube's daddy's helper on the farm. Seems like he's a pretty nice man, and he's just plumb daffy over Rube. Thinks there ain't a boy like him, you know. Well, one night Joel took Rube over to see what it was, this light in the basement of lonely house, which is on the hill across the creek from Rube's daddy's farm. And what do you think? They found the whole gang of Pooley's Knights at the square table holding a meeting, and guess what they were talking about? What? They said that it was time they changed their meeting place because it appeared that one room of the Lonely House was haunted. Ah, shucks, I said. Here comes another haunted house story. You don't mean to tell me, Link, that Pooley believes in ghosts. You and I will never forget the ghost of Casanova in Cuba, will we? Didn't that prove to you that there were no ghosts? Yes, but these boys don't claim to see any ghosts. All they noticed was a light in the room on the second floor of the stone tower of Lonely House. They saw it, Rube says, just as they came near it. They took it to be some other boys who had started to have their headquarters there, and they meant to run them out as Pooley's gang was there first, and they thought it was theirs by rights. It was, I said, and they can keep it. We don't need such a meeting place. I hope Pooley didn't think it was us fellas. I don't know, said Link. Rube and Joel just heard them talking these things over, you understand? And he heard them tell that when they had reached the tower, the light had disappeared. 
just like it disappeared that night when we saw it on the old mill. You remember, the night we started home from our summer camp. I nodded. Yes, I said, I heard of disappearing lights, but let me tell you, Link, if there were ghosts, what would ghosts want with lights? No siree. Maybe there was a light there. Maybe they really did see what they thought they saw. But believe me, if they did, it was put there by somebody who just the same as you and me live in human beings. Well, looky here, Hawkins, continued Link. I got a notion you and I ought to know what's going on. Listen, I got a scheme. For a few minutes, he whispered in my ear, and I nodded my head. He was our spy. No boy in our gang could better act the part than old skinny guy. No boy could better get in and out of tight places without being seen, and nobody could bring back more information than he. That evening, when all the boys gathered in the clubhouse, some playing checkers and others joining in the singing practice with Lou Hunter and the organ, I slipped away with Skinny Guy at my heels and made for Doble's pasture. We edged up close to the barn, and I gave a low whistle, a signal which was immediately answered and I saw a little figure emerge from the dark shadow of the big barn. I managed it, sir, came Perry Stokes' voice. What a loyal little beggar he was. I managed to get two of Dobell's horses out without any noise, but I'm afraid to try to get the third, Hawkins. Old man Doble heard something. He's sitting by the window. Two'll be enough, said Link, leaping upon the saddle of one of the steeds that Perry had prepared for us, as per orders. Perry gripped my arm. But I want to go long, Hawkins, he said. Wait, help me catch the other horse. It won't take long with two of us after him. Hush, Perry, I said. You can ride behind me. You did fine. It's enough to catch these wild things to say nothing about saddling them. Give me a lift. He helped me into the saddle. How did you manage it? I asked. I really didn't expect you to have them saddled, Perry. A bridle would have been plenty. I gave him sugar, of course, sir, said Perry, with a little laugh springing nimbly up to the rear of my saddle. You can give him your heels now, sir. I'm ready. I'm glad to go along with you, Hawkins. You shouldn't ever go without me, sir. I'm always thinking of the risk you run when... Hold tight, I said sharply. We're going to keep up with that horse ahead of us. And believe me, I had to hold tight myself. I didn't say that because I was going to make my horse go that fast. No, it was because I couldn't keep the horse from going fast, even if I had wanted to. Because the darn thing, seeing Skinny's horse start away at a gallop, started to follow, and no amount of holding in would slack him up. Down to the main road we raced. Perry held me tight around the waist. The Skinny guy led the way, and I could see that he had been this way before. It seemed no time until we were inside of the shadow of the tall, lean tower of the stone house. On the rise that was, luckily, thickly wooded, Link pulled up, and we came to a halt behind him. We'll have to wait here a bit, he said. Let's rest. Rest nothing, I said. We don't need rest. And furthermore, Link, I want to get through with this affair as quickly as I can. Go ahead if you won't. I'll take the lead. All right, he said. If you want to bump into the whole gang of Pooley's knights, go ahead and lead the way. Look down there to the left, right in that path, coming up the hill from the creek. I looked. At first, I couldn't see anything. But gradually, I saw movement there on the path. And then, suddenly, a light flared out. A flame from a rosin torch, and I could clearly see a group of boys, the foremost riding ponies or horses, and a few running on foot behind them. Poolies, said Link simply, knights of the square table, every one, coming to hold their regular meeting. Copycats, that's what they are. Never thought of holding regular meetings till they knew us, and saw our clubhouse. 
and think of the kind of place they picked out for their clubhouse, the basement of an old forsaken house. It's good enough, I said, if we didn't have our clubhouse. If we didn't have our old friend, good old Doc Waters, we wouldn't have any better, and maybe we would be glad to have a place like the basement of a lonely house to meet in. Shut your trap, said Link sharply. Here they come. Back up. Back your horse into those bushes. The stickers won't hurt him. Back up. Back he went, into the friendly shadow of that clump of bushes, which, though it was near winter and leaves had all fallen, still were thick enough to give us a good hiding place, and from our point of vantage we watched the torchlight procession. It came up noisily, as Pooley's gang always did when they were alone. They could be silent enough when they were on enemy soil, but let them feel safe and, oh boy, how noisy they could be. Well, it was a pretty sight. I am funny that way. When I see a bunch of young fellows moving in a dark place, with only the flare of torches casting shadows on the uneven ground ahead, it seems to me that it makes a pretty picture. We watched them as they strung out before us, the pony riders first, the boys afoot behind them. At the gate of the lonely house, the ponies stopped and the boys afoot came up to hold them while their riders started to dismount. But they never got out of their saddles for suddenly a cry went up and I saw several of those in the saddle pointing to the second story of the stone tower, and the next minute the cry was raised to a shout. And then, riders and footrunners, they all turned and fled, helter-skelter, this way and that, away from the lonely house. Some passed quite close to us, but none of them saw us, and within three minutes after this thing had commenced, there was not a sign of a single knight of the square table. I laughed out loud. Link turned a scowling look upon me. For heaven's sake, he whispered, be careful now, Hawkins. Wait. But did you see how they ran? I asked. They had reason to, returned the skinny guy. Look there. I looked toward the spot whereat he pointed. The glow of the dim light came from the window of the second story of the stone tower of Lonely House. Ha, I said. So you believe too, that is ghosts, eh, Link? Well, come on. Here's finding out about such things. Without another thought, I drove my heels into the sides of the horse that carried me, not thinking of Perry. And by the way he jerked me around the waist, I knew that he came near falling off backwards. But I was too excited now to stop and think. I drove that little spitfire of a horse right up to the tower. His hoofbeats were sounding clear. I leaped from the saddle as quickly as I could, and out of the corner of my eye, I could see the skinny guy following while Perry took hold of the bridles of both horses. I found a foothold and clambered up the rough stone walls, and then, when I reached the second-story window, I peered through. Skinny Link was peering with me. We looked and we saw. What did we see? We saw a little circular room. It was bare except for an outlandish round table cut in fancy style out of redwood, and upon it a candle burned, the grease dripping into a pancake upon the tabletop and beside the table, seated on a nail keg, was an old man, an old, old man, with the top of his head bald. Yet the gray locks that hung from the edges of his bald spot reached close to his collar. He sat there, and by the light of the candle he studied some old papers, some old yellow sheets that, in the light of the candle, seemed faded and ragged. We watched him until suddenly the candle went out, and, oh boy, that minute I got a chill. I began to shiver. I wanted to get down. I don't know how I would ever have managed it if it had not been for Perry. He came, and with the aid of the skinny guy, they got me down from that iron railing. 
Well, said the skinny guy after we were back in the saddle and racing toward our clubhouse. What is the answer, Hawkins? Don't ask me now, I replied in a shivering voice. I'm cold. Darn, but it's getting cold. Believe me, that ain't any ghost on the round tower. It's a human being, that's what it is, and you can take my word we will find out soon enough what he is doing there. Which we did. End of chapter 19